0: Let's add more vegetables, let's add more water, let's add more lean protein. And people generally have more success by looking at it like that like, oh, look at all these foods I can have.
1: What's up my brothers and sisters, welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are mine and those of the guest. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Rebecca Rouse. She is a bad-to-the-bone kettlebell coach and trainer. Uh, she happens to be married to a Marine, uh, which just gives her so much added credibility in my book. Anyway, we talk about all that and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Well, Rebecca, I'm I'm super thrilled that you... It took the opportunity to come and hang out and, and rap. And, you know, we got to do some fun stuff, which we're going to talk about, um, in, uh, in furthering your, uh, fire service education. And, um, but before we do that, let's talk about who, who is Rebecca introduce yourself. You're going to do a way better job than I ever would. So
0: sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here in Phoenix and, and we've done a lot in 24 hours and I'm looking forward to debriefing what happened yesterday and how I'm still recovering, but (laughs) Um, who am I? Let's see. Well, I was born and raised in Southern California in the South Bay of Los Angeles. I lived there until finishing high school and went to college at the University of Maryland.
1: SoCal girl. You, are you a surfer?
0: I am not. I've never surfed. I don't like going to the beach. I'm like very atypical SoCal girl, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a beach person. Never surfed. Not sure if I ever will, but...
1: It doesn't, like, <laughs> doesn't sound like It doesn't sound like it.
0: Yeah, so um, let's see. I went to college in Maryland, and I met my now husband there. And he is active duty Marine. So since college, we've been moving probably on average every two years. We've been together nine years now. I think we've moved seven times. So
1: wow, semper fi. Semper
0: fi, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite. I love the lifestyle. I love being military wife, and um, I wanted to serve myself. And we can go into that if you want to later. But
1: well, let's start with why did you go to Maryland?
0: Why Maryland? Because I get that question a lot. As we
1: discussed earlier, the state flag is horrendous, and so it is. what other <laughs> thing could possibly attract you there?
0: It was not the state flag, and it was not the Maryland football team. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> um, it's—I grew up in California. A lot of my high school uh, friends and classmates went to college in California. I always thought I would be at UCLA, and I just—you know—there were other plans for me. Apparently, so being not. Being rejected from UCLA kind of opened my eyes to other schools that were out there and uh, when I was a junior in high school I did a spring break trip just all down the east coast from starting in Boston all the way down to Maryland, Virginia and I looked at a bunch of schools and I applied to the ones that I liked and of the ones that to which I was accepted Maryland was my favorite and so I decided to go out of state and you know I always figured I could always come back to California if I wanted to and if you know it's four years it's temporary and I just decided to go out and see other parts of the country, and I don't nice. regret it.
1: Was there something about, like, so it wasn't, I, I always feel like a lot of young uh, academics are looking at the schools, and, and in my mind, it should be, like, they have a program of study that I really want to follow, but the reality is what?
0: You, yeah, I mean, for myself and probably for many other undergraduates, you don't end up using your degree at all.
1: <laughs> what did you end up studying?
0: So I studied, I did a double degree in um, public health and Spanish. And I, a little bit. Um, I use my Spanish a little bit. I'm fluent in Spanish, but I don't really do, uh, you know, don't really use either of my degrees in my day to day life. But great education, great school. Obviously met Joel there, so. Uh, no and he's regrets. a Spanish speaker, he right? Is. So maybe you
1: use your Spanish to wheel him in.
0: <laughs> yes, maybe. I mean, we <laughs> met at the gym, but that's another story. So, <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, I think you know, I'm I'm glad I got to go out there and explore other parts of the country and very different than California. Yeah. But well, what's
1: uh, Maryland like? I've actually never been.
0: Um. Well, College Park is, I didn't go that much outside of College Park, but um, went to DC a few times and uh, Balt- College Park is kind of right between DC and Baltimore. So you kind of get the best of the, the big cities nearby, but um, it's got a little bit of everything. It's, nothing, you know, it's not special and not that special, but um, it's, it was a great little college experience and you can go 30 minutes and go to any of the big cities. there's also, it's, there's also a rural part of Maryland. I had some friends from Southern Maryland from, you know, farmland. And so, um, yeah, I got a, got a little bit of everything. Nice. Up there.
1: So you said you, you said you almost served, what was the, what's the backstory there?
0: Ooh, it's a, it's a loaded story. So, uh, when I, w- when I met Joel, I was in Air Force ROTC, uh, I was my freshman year. I, I didn't do that. It was my sophomore year. I I got into Air Force ROTC. I had a friend who was also in the program, and I learned more about it. And I was like, wow, that sounds great. I I have no family. My grandpa was a dentist in the the Navy, but I didn't really have any family in the military. I didn't know much about it. And the idea of serving really uh, was of interest to me. So I decided to sign up for Air Force ROTC and was in my second semester of the program. And I met Joel, and he was like, Air Force? Why Air Force? You got to be a Marine. If you're going to go in the military, you got to be a Marine. I was like, okay, sounds I can, good. I can support that statement. <laughs> I know. You definitely can. So I figured, well, if I'm going to go into the military, I might as well go for the most difficult branch to get into. So I was going to make the transition over to Marine Corps. And then I actually got, uh, I went through my physical, my health physical for the Air Force RTC before I had made the final decision to switch. And um, I found out that the medical condition that I have, I have um, a chronic uh, condition called ulcerative colitis. It is inflammatory form of inflammatory bowel disease, and it is disqualifying for all branches of the military. Oh, I did geez. not know that at the time.
1: I did not know that either.
0: Yeah, I was diagnosed um, 09, so I had had it for just under a year. And, you know, it's, I go through periods of flare and periods of remission, but... Um, yeah I came to find out that it was disqualifying for all branches so they kicked me out of ROTC altogether and that was the end of my pursuit of military service so it was I was very sad very discouraged but um, you know it kind of was a blessing in disguise I ended up meeting Joel and started dating him and now that we're married I'm able to serve in the spouse role which is has its own challenges but is so rewarding and I wouldn't trade it for yeah
1: what so having been married uh, while I was in the Marine Corps at a very, in a different station though. I mean, as a, I was a corporal and uh, married and our involvement was kind of muted, right? But I feel like some uh, military spouses have a much more profound role. And I know your husband's an officer. And so how is that role? Like, how do you see that role? What what was that role look like as a military spouse?
0: You gotta be ready for anything. I mean, it is, it's a lot of different things. I don't, we don't have children, so I can imagine the for those that do which i know many mil- many military spouses do have children there's a big role in being a caretaker and oftentimes the primary one when when the uh, significant other is away but um, as a military spouse without children it just i, I quickly became very independent um, i think that was a, a big thing for me was just learning how to be self-sufficient do things on my own and then learning how to navigate the challenges of you know a relationship when there's so much time apart and that was that had its own challenges at the beginning, and now several years later, we're we've spent probably half of our nine years geographically apart. So uh, and now it's like second nature. But um, I think being being resilient uh, is critical. You have to be able to adapt quickly and be ready for change because things could change, and people, the the service member could have to go into training deployment at any time, and you know depending on what's going on in the world and. So, just being adaptable, being resilient, being flexible, knowing that you might get stationed somewhere you don't want to be, and you just have to learn how to make that home.
1: That place is 29 palms. <laughs> right? Let's be clear about that duty station. That is the one. Yeah, for well, sure. Joel
0: was there for a year, and I. That was. A- That was our first year of being geographically apart. I decided I wasn't going with him. (laughs) Um, That was right after we graduated college. That is
1: such, you are so smart. That is one (laughs) of the smartest things you could have ever done.
0: Yeah, so that was right after we graduated. Well, I finished college. He finished the basic school and got sent to 29 Palms. My parents live in LA, so he went to 29 for training, and I Went back and started my first, you know, real job as a personal trainer, and was living with my parents for a year while he was training. I saw him on the weekends, and that was the beginning of our learning to be apart while being together. Right. So nice, yeah.
1: What, um, how much support do you feel like there is? And in, in, you know, I didn't when I was in during that period of time that my wife and I were in the Marine Corps together. Well, I was in the Marine Corps; she was there by proxy. Yes. Um, the, you know, I spent a lot of time in the field training but didn't have any significant deployments is, do you feel like, you know, what's has been your experience as far as like the military machine providing support?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. There's, there's a lot of support, um, for spouses and there's the family readiness officer. And this, this was, uh, our family readiness officer was very helpful when we were getting ready for his deployment. So, it's kind of the liaison between the service member and, and the families. So family readiness officer is always communicating, you know, what's going on. If, if we're not going to hear from our service members, they're the ones to let us know that if they have to go River City or anything like that. So which, when they have no communication. So um, that was really helpful. And just to they had a lot of pre-deployment events when leading up, you know, for the year or so leading up to the deployment when they found out they were going to go. Um, events to get to know their spouses and just, you know, social events and things to to pass the time and and keep the spouse network and for those who have children together and supporting one another through the the time of when their service members are away. So um, they do a lot of of great things. And for me being, I I had a job and I was working, so my work kept me plenty busy. But for uh, stay-at-home moms who aren't going to work every day and just have to be home and wait for that time to pass, I can imagine that it probably doesn't go as quickly yeah. as it did for me.
1: Yeah, I you know you you bring up a good point which is everybody has and this is true of life in general, right? Like everybody has a very different stressor, right? Mm. But everybody's going through something. And I think that's an interesting, you know, I was given I th- I was talking to you about this before when right? I have a friend who deployed, uh, but he's a physician and his wife was really upset during his deployment. And I was like, "He's going first of all, he's going to be gone for six months. Second of all, he's in the rear with the gear. He's a, he was part of a surgical team. Mm-hmm. He's not anywhere in harm's way. Which, nonetheless, for her, that was a profound event, right? Everyone has something different that they're dealing with. And um, very unfair of me to judge her so harshly, right? Because it, for her, it was quite a demand on her life, a change in her life that was significant. And so it is interesting when you look at military spouses or you know, in, in my world, firefighter spouses and, you know, public safety employees and their spouses and the, the stresses that they're going through very different than the private sector, right? Like Absolutely. it's just different, right? The things that they have to go deal with, like they, in all three of the public safety and, and in the military, you know, your spouse may not come back right. and that's a real concern when they're gone for the day for 24 hours for a shift as a police officer or yep. they're gone overseas. The, the stress is real.
0: It is. Yes.
1: You know, okay. and so my wife, when we were at Twenty Nine Palms, she was, you know, not a time of war, but she was, uh, you know, we're out doing caxes and training, and we're gone for months at a time, and so she just started going to the community college and taking classes, and at that little college of the desert out there, she mm. pretty much exhausted COD. the <laughs> exhausted the course catalog and um, and yeah. kept herself occupied. And So you great. said, you know, you started working, yep. and um, so that was your first foray into training. Yes. So which is. But well, a lot about what we want to talk about today, but so let's talk about your first foray into training, personal training. Sure,
0: yeah. So I got my personal training certification in college, and I didn't do anything with it in college. I didn't have the confidence at the time. I didn't feel ready to train my peers or anything like that. So I had the certification under my belt, and at the time, thought I was going to go into doing something with public health and just series of events, and I ended up becoming a personal trainer while Joel was at 29 Palms. This is in 2014. I got hired at Equinox and um i thought it would be something i would do just for a year while joel was in training and we i knew we'd get stationed somewhere else after that so in my head at the time it was temporary um i fell in love with it i loved the idea of, of helping people improve their health and fitness and i was just myself getting into my own fitness journey and learning about functional training and the human body and the the capacity for gaining strength and mobility and flexibility and endurance and just it was all so fascinating to me so um got that job as a personal trainer and then over the course of that first year, I started learning about leadership and management, and there were management opportunities, and I got into management at Equinox as well, became the fitness manager, and then Joel, it was kind of just really good timing on everything. Joel found out he was getting stationed at Camp Pendleton, and they were announcing they were going to open a new, brand new Equinox club in Carlsbad, which is not far from Camp Pendleton, so um, I ended up getting that job as the fitness manager at the brand new club, which being a new, you know, 23 or 24 year old at the time, I just, it was kind of like, you know, trial by fire. And, and there I was opening up a new club, hiring a team of, tr- of personal trainers and teaching them how to be successful trainers and build their business and acquire clients and be effective at, at their craft. And so it was, I learned very quickly and have, had my own clients at the time too. So I was kind of leading, leading a team of trainers and, and training my own clients and just loved all of it. And I worked there for six and a half years. I just left two months ago. Um, after five years of management, uh, multiple clubs, I moved to the East Coast in between that, that time. So if, I worked at four different clubs and East Coast and West Coast. And um, just with the COVID shutdown, everything, Equinox was not opening. Gyms in California, still uh, many of them are still closed. The one at which I worked was is also still closed, unfortunately. So um, I'm not the type of person to wait for things to happen. I like to, to make things happen. And I wasn't I just didn't want to wait anymore. So I you know, I have big goals and big dreams for my future. And so I decided to um, just uh, part ways with Equinox on very good terms. And, you know, I regret nothing. I loved, absolutely loved all my six and a half years there, but uh, it was time for me to venture forward. And I started my own business uh, for personal training and online coaching. And so my, my brand is Semper Stronger. And I think that the, the name of the brand kind of encompasses a lot of what I stand for and who I am. And so Semper, the Semper coming from Semper Fidelis, always faithful, the motto of the Marine Corps and,
1: or Semper Gumby, always flexible, always
0: flexible, which, you know, being doing what I do, that applies in in multiple (laughs) ways, but, um, and then Semper Stronger being strength and and being strong is something that's of utmost important to me and in my life. And, whether that's physical strength or mental strength, and um, and then just being so passionate about our country and living in the greatest country on earth, and wanting to give back to um, those who serve it. So, those are some of the things that are most important to me, and the the values and the foundation on which I built my business.
1: Well, can I just say that I, what I love about the uh, name of your company is that it encompasses a lot of your personal philosophy, right? And I love the fact that. Well, you know, you talk about strength. You talk about the the physical capacity, but as well, you know, in addition to the mental fortitude and you know intestinal fortitude mm-hmm. that I think that comes with that um, and resiliency, right? So those are those are things that like we as a as human beings are constantly being challenged with. And I think you know you kind of re- alluded to it, you know, or uh, you spoke right to it, talking about um, you know spending so much time alone and and having your spouse away, you know, and and how what kind of stress that puts on your life and how you, you know, we all have to make choices every day on how we respond to that. And that takes a certain amount of strength and resiliency and perspective. Um, and you have to work on that. It's not automatic. Absolutely. I mean, maybe for some people it is not automatic for me.
0: No, it wasn't for me either.
1: Yeah. How, well, how did you, I mean, how did you really gain that perspective? Because I think when you're young, I think back to when I was a young Marine and like, uh, phew, I don't know that I handled it very well and I'm, I'm, you know, thank heavens my wife and I made it through and here we are 28 years later, but I look at, you know, young families and young couples and like, what, would, what were some of the things that you did to truly build that resiliency?
0: Uh, well, it wasn't perfect from the beginning. It took a lot of time and, and learning and, and failing and just time trial. But um, I think getting into fitness and focusing so much on strength, physical strength helped me become mentally tougher too. And I think there's, yeah, just, cause
1: there's no, there is no mental weakness underneath a underneath the squat rack. No. Like you have got to be there present mentally. And
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I just, as I got stronger physically, I, I realized how empowering it is to be a strong female, especially, um, especially, you know, in, in the gym when it's just largely males and in the Marine Corps where it's mostly males. And, and I think just being, being a strong female, like I, I started to realize that, that was very empowering. And to be physically strong allowed me to break through my own physical barriers, which just kind of flipped a switch in my brain about, you know, we're really only scratching the surface. When we think we're done, we're not even close to done. And so learning how to push through, doing things that are not comfortable, doing things that push me out of my comfort zone. I you know, I try to look for opportunities to do things that suck. I hate running, but I do it because I hate it. And I know that it makes me better when I do things that I don't enjoy doing, but I know they're good for me. Taking cold showers, things like that. Just reading. I read a lot of books over while Joel was gone. And during that time of like, I had a period of like real physical growth and and mental growth and... Uh, emotional growth, and a lot of that come, came from reading and podcasts, and just realizing like there's a whole other world out there. And those people that operate like the, the upper echelon of, of people that really operate and maximize their time on this earth, like I want to be one of those people. How do I do that? What are those people doing? And so, it, listening to podcasts and reading books, I was just like, wow, I need to be doing a lot more than I'm doing now, and right. I'm going to go get after. Mm, it. I love
1: that. It's a really it does. It starts with asking that question, right? And and I think it also it starts with identifying what you what you want for yourself because i think so many of us are like man i don't know what i want and so every day you bounce around like yeah eh, going from thing to thing breathe in breathe out drink mm-hmm. water eat food like and you don't have a purpose right and i think that identifying and I'll say this too: motivation can be like you watch a Rocky Balboa video and you get all fired up and and mm-hmm. that motivation is fleeting yes. in the absence of purpose but if you have a purpose for your life and you're like no I know what I want to do I have this thing I'm trying to accomplish suddenly everything becomes that much more clarified and the daily activities have meaning yes I couldn't right? agree
0: more a hundred percent it's that's so true and like I a lot of podcasts that I listen to uh, or things I've listened to about motivation. It's like Jocko Willink is like a big, he's a big inspiration for me. And I love that guy. He's the same. Gosh, I listen to his videos on repeat and just every day. Anyways. um,
1: Somebody once told me, he said, you sound like Jocko. And I'm like,
0: (laughs) no way. Yeah. He's, he's the man, but (laughs) he has a big thing on, you know, motivation is it it doesn't work. You might not always feel motivated. You probably aren't going to feel motivated most of the time, but it's discipline that gets you, to do the work and put in that time. And the people who achieve greatness are the people who have discipline. It's not about those people. It's it's not those people who are waiting for motivation to strike. It's those who do it regardless of feeling motivated or not. And they just get after it. They train, yeah. they do what they have to do. They work hard and that's what I'm all about. So. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I just, that goes right back to me is what is your purpose? Because if you, it's easy to be, to say, hey, I'm a disciplined person to what end, mm-hmm. right? So you gotta have a reason. Yeah. Kind have a reason, and and that target clarification really uh,
0: helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think I'm I'm finally starting to discover that. Like when I was working for Equinox and you know work work for somebody else, I you know I I'm so glad I did it. I learned a ton. I learned about leadership and training and built me a really strong foundation there. But it was it was like I didn't really know what my bigger purpose was. I didn't. I knew I didn't want to be there forever, but I didn't know what was next. And now mm-hmm. that I have a vision for what I want to do and how what my purpose is and how I want to give back during during my time on this earth, I think that it, it, there's just a different fire that's lit every morning when I get out of bed and knowing that I'm going to get back what I put out and or and I'm going to be able to give my purpose to the world and and pay it forward and so yeah. that that's what gets me out of bed in the morning and um, well, it's great.
1: You know what where what I think is interesting too is where you're headed is you have the ability to, uh, you know, you're, you're getting clients that to a certain degree you can pick and choose. Um, and if you have a client who's not on the line, you can fire them. Right. I think about, uh, I did a little bit of personal training back in the day, um, mostly endurance based with endurance athletes. And the thing that drove me the most crazy, and I'm curious if you had a similar experience was people who wanted, they said, Oh, I, I want this thing. I want to be able to run a marathon. I just don't want to do the work. They didn't come out and say it, but it's, that's what came out in their actions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I don't have time to sit here and, you know, hold your hand essentially while you're not doing the things that we're talking about doing. You got to do the work. Did you have that experience?
0: Mm, Not really. Honestly, I think people who are going to invest in a trainer, um, and being, you know, I've, I've, probably charge more than the average personal trainer. There's, that was my know. problem. I didn't charge yeah, enough. <laughs> exactly. Because if if you charge enough and people are willing to make that investment and it's not, you know, fifty dollars an hour, you know, it's hundred plus dollars an hour, people are only gonna commit if they are really serious about that investment. Most Fair people. Enough. So I think that, you know, there's there's a fine line there. But um, I think that when people really want that, whatever it is that their goal is, they're going to be willing to invest in it. And it's, I take my job seriously in helping people get to that goal. And if they're willing to put in the work, I'm willing to put in the work for them and, and be their support system, their guide and, and help them achieve whatever their goals are. And, you know, i mine's more strength based, not, not an endurance person per se, but, um, whatever strength. You goal have people, to like running, I, Rebecca. I'm trying, man, but I can't, <laughs> I can't get there. It's just painful <laughs> mentally um yeah give me all the all the weights all the pull-ups push-ups squats cleans I'll do it all but I hate running I just can't get on board but I'm doing it anyway I've been running
1: (laughs) so let's talk about your personal training not not your not your coaching but like your personal programming for yourself because you I know you do a lot of kettlebell work and you know when I follow you on Instagram and I see um you're doing a lot of um Olympic work and strength work and so what's kind of the the formula for you
0: that is an excellent question, and that has a lot of answers. So my training has evolved a lot over the years. Um, I started my when I was l- very little, started at age three. I was a gymnast. I did that for 12 years. So that really built my foundation for athletics and strength. Um, I owe a lot of my success in the weight room today to that foundation as a gymnast competitively for many years, So, and as well as my mental toughness and discipline. But since getting my personal trainer certification, and, and really since college, and Two thousand, two thousand 2009, 2010, I got into like the weight room scene. I think like many people started out as a bodybuilder, did arm day, leg day, back day, chest day, which is, I you know I look back and I, I laugh now, but.
1: No good folks.
0: <laughs> it's not what I recommend for most people unless you're trying to compete You know, on the stage as well. It's, that's how you should be training if you want to be a bodybuilder. But um, I did do one figure competition in 2012 And that was it for me. I knew that wasn't really something I wanted to continue with. Um, But after college and I learned, I got my certification and um, started working for Equinox. I learned more about functional fitness and training the body as a whole. Training movements, not muscles is kind of how I say. Um, I like that. Yeah. So, you know, our our body doesn't work. It's, It's not just biceps or just calves or just quads. It's the body working as one integrated whole so that's how i train myself and my clients usually depending on their goals
1: to be clear you can't get total body fitness by curls alone
0: unfortunately you can't i'm sorry (laughs) to break it to you okay girls are not going to do it unless you (laughs) just want big biceps and nothing else which i'm not sure why that would be the case but anyways um so started out i fell in love with kettlebells i was introduced to kettlebells in 2014 um when i first started equinox Just did them kind of, you know, here and there, integrated them a little bit into my workouts, and then I decided to get certified, um, just uh, basic kettlebell, introductory kettlebell certification in 2014, and then in 2016, I got certified through Strong First, and that's kind of, you know, one of the more highly regarded kettlebell certifications. Um, I also was able to achieve the Iron Maiden title through Strong First, which basically in order to do that, I had to perform a weighted pull-up, a strict press, overhead press, and a pistol squat with a 24-kilogram, 53-pound kettlebell. Savage. I was the 16th woman in the world to achieve that title. Many more have done it since, but that was in 2016. So kettlebell training was a big focus of mine at that time. Still is. I definitely integrated it into my training often, um, several times per week now. But in 2018, I kind of shifted focus more towards Olympic lifting. I wanted to compete in something again. I never thought as an adult I would go back into any sort of athletic competition, but I just got that itch and... I worked with a coach in New York for Olympic weightlifting, and he got me ready for my first competition, and I did that in 2019, did another competition in 2020 when I was back in San Diego, and um, still train, I'd say, a good even split between Olympic weightlifting and kettlebell training, and I think there is a lot of, a good amount of carryover between the two in terms of explosive movements, using hips, um, power, that sort of thing, so... I consider myself a bit of a hybrid athlete. I love a good, you know, bodyweight workout too. Love pull-ups. Um, people get, people ask me often if I do CrossFit, and I never know how to answer that question. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a CrossFitter. I have worked out at CrossFit gyms a couple of times, but I'm not doing the workout of the day every day and um i've never been a member of a crossfit gym but the way that i train i do incorporate a lot of those crossfit type type movements isn't
1: that interesting how that's changed in our society like if you if you happen to do an olympic lift like a snatch or suddenly oh you're a crossfitter yes I'm like, no i'm just doing an olympic lift this has been around for a long time right yes or you use it you know you do an odd object lift or you do something unique or unusual and they're like oh crossfit like, yes no man yeah
0: no, i'm not i'm not a, I'm not a crossfitter <laughs> but i i will say crossfit you know, p- feel how you want to feel about it there. They have done a lot of good things for people, which, you know, get a lot of people moving again, make people feel part of a community that's united under the umbrella of living f- in a you know, healthy lifestyle and being fit and, and getting after it. So you know, I do appreciate that. The
1: thing that CrossFit really, that I would say gave to me, um, because I, I've studied a lot of stuff that they were putting out and read a lot of their materials and I love the, the concept of multimodal training, right? To me, that makes so much sense It is the entire body has to be trained across multiple domains. And, and so this takes me right where I think, you know, you and I really want to go with this conversation is talking about what I would call an industrial athlete. You know, you and I have talked about calling him a tactical athlete, right? Um, It's this idea that, uh, and this is very kind of a a CrossFit ethos, right? It's this idea that you're training for um, an unknowable event, uh, on a, at an unknowable time, and um, and you have to be prepared.
0: Yeah. You know, at all times. It's a good analogy for life too.
1: Right. Well, so that's the funny thing is I'm like, stop at CrossFit. This is not just about you, right? <laughs> it is so much bigger than that, right? It's about when we and when we look at firefighters and police officers and military, like at any given moment, you could be called upon to perform at the highest level of of your physical capacity yes. and emotional capacity. And so, what are you doing today to be prepared for this event? That is coming, right? You know, winter's coming. Right? <laughs> it's coming. And so you have to be prepared. So how are you preparing yourself for that? So I have my thoughts on this, but uh, um, what are yours?
0: Oh, goodness. Yes, I think everything you said is correct. And that, that is what they sign up for, what you guys have signed up for as firefighters and what Joel signed up for as a Marine and the military and law enforcement. it It is an unknowable enemy, quote unquote, depending on what your job is. Um, but you have to be ready. And so just staying at your you know being able to perform whatever the job duty is at any given time in the middle of the night or in any kind of climate and i think you know those people that have volunteered to serve our community our country whatever it is in whatever capacity they've chosen i think that staying physically fit healthy and and ready for battle whatever that battle is 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 critical and so i think um Th- if this is the, the, the way you want to go with this question is that that is something that I want to, that that's, I think, in, in a sense, my purpose and what the direction I want to go with my career, my training, um, training of others. And uh, I, I really am excited about the future of my future of training tactical athletes. Um, it's something that I am very excited about. I'm currently studying for my certification um, for tactical strength and conditioning. And I think there's opportunities for improvement just based on, you know, what I've seen and being married to a Marine and seeing how they maybe don't make the best choices in terms of nutrition and how they train their bodies well, or so, don't. <laughs> so let's
1: talk about what some of the the demands are and what you think, like, what do you think is missing there? What are some things that, that a, a tactical athlete needs to take into consideration that a, an average Joe does not?
0: Um, nutrition is a big one. I think that, Nutrition is probably undervalued and not talked about enough in terms of probably for anybody, um, but especially in, in those communities, I think fueling properly for whatever the, the mission is and then recovering from the mission is critical. And I think there's just not enough education about what type of how to fuel properly for for that, that job. Um, and then con- considering the different climates, the time of day, where they are in the world, Um, recovery those things that you know maybe we take for granted as regular civilians that you know we can go to sleep in our comfy beds for eight hours if we want to and aren't going to be woken up by a fire alarm in the middle of the night or we don't have you know we're not being shot at by the enemy so um, taking that into consideration and taking the recovery nutrition seriously as well as the training and making sure that we're training for uh, with odd objects and 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 working our different energy systems and being able to move in all planes of motion, we, you know we've we lived very sagittal lives, lives as humans. We live, move generally in a forward direction, but we may have to you know in a split second move laterally. And so you know we want to be, be able to prevent injuries and train safely and to, and and uh, perform without getting injured. And that all starts with training smart. So
1: yeah, when what. <laughs> I think about the the impact like specifically with the fire service that like sleep deprivation has and you know you talk about nutrition and I guess my question is is how do we eat well you know to mitigate you know the hormone changes and the cortisol levels and all that kind of stuff like I mean I'm down with getting more sleep but that's sometimes that's just not even a thing it's not even possible right you know and you know I know like folks who are Suvert serving overseas in a combat zone, right? Like their, their life cycles are completely screwed up, right? Working 12s, 12 on 12 off or going on patrol and then coming back and, you know, going vampire hours, you know, out on patrol all night, coming back and trying to sleep during the day or whatever. Like it just jacks up your system. So how, what are some nutritional strategies that I can apply today? Whatever provided I go to the grocery store. I mean, whatever. I mean, if you're eating MRAs and you're sitting in the dirt, you know, like you're limited, right? right? But absolutely. But here I am, I'm stateside, I'm in garrison, however you want to say it, right? Yeah. How do we get ourselves as healthy as possible nutritionally?
0: Yeah. I mean, loaded question because one, the, the answer is different for everybody and I'm, I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not, you know, I have a, a precision nutrition certification. It's so okay.
1: I'm a doctor. It's all good.
0: <laughs> I want to make sure I'm operating in my <laughs> scope of practice, which is, you know, something we take very seriously as we should take very seriously as yeah. health and fitness professionals right. and making sure we're not giving advice that we're not qualified to give, but just knowing, um, you know, the basics of nutrition, I think generally things that are going to be good for everyone, regardless of who you are eating less processed food you know, when possible. As you said, if you're in the field, MREs is all you got. And there's a reason that they're eating MREs. Like you don't want to have to... Because the
1: military hates you. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. But, but yes, I mean, that's that's what's available and it lasts for a long time and right. we get that. But when you're at home um, and you have more control over what you're eating, you know, eating food in its most natural state. So, you know, if you eat meat, eating high quality meat and not the more processed meats. If you're eating, you know, when you eat fruits and vegetables getting them fresh, um, and not eating, you know, stuff with added sugar to, in it and things like that. So, um, the, the closer to its natural form, the better. So the closer to the earth, the tree, whatever it is, wherever it came from, um, not drinking sugary beverages, I think, you know, sodas, energy drinks with 40 grams of sugar that we just saw hmm, in the fridge the over there. Fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like those, and they're so readily available. And I think just so the little education or you know whether it's a matter of education or or choice or maybe a little bit of both but um choosing water sparkling water things like that that don't have 40 grams of sugar because that is going to result in that insulin crash you know the energy crash and so i think those are some basic things that probably everybody could do a little bit better on and choosing healthy snacks and you know people have there's so many different schools of thought in terms and different diets people follow there's so many buzzwords out there you know the keto and the paleo and intermittent fasting and you'll find scientific studies to back up all of them saying that this one's good, this one's bad and whatever you want to find, you can find it. But ultimately when it comes to nutrition, it's whatever works for that individual and finding what works for you. But um, whatever's going to fuel you and help you recover from your workouts to help you perform, feel your best is, is the way to go. And generally, you know, high sugar, highly processed foods are not going to do that.
1: Well, it's funny to me because I ask this question a lot. I'm looking for the golden answer, right? Because the, and, I'm, and I say that facetiously, because the answer is always the same. And I don't mean to be dismissive to a registered dietitian. You don't need to be one, right? In my opinion, because what you're talking about is what I hear frequently, which is eat whole foods, eat lean meats, eat fruits and vegetables, nuts and berries, yeah, right? Like Pretty basic. It's really straightforward. And yet for everybody, all of us, it it really is surprisingly hard to do that.
0: It is right because we're marketing, you know, Mm. the, there's a lot of advertising out there that wants you to choose the the artificially sweetened, the high sugar, whatever it is. Um, and sugar is addictive and when you Mm. eat it, you want more of it. And so it is, (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm, you know, perfect all the time. I enjoy a, a cup of, you know, a bowl of ice cream or a cookie every now and then, but, we have to be aware that sugar is a drug and it's as addictive i think they've done studies that it's as addictive as cocaine and so the body responds the same way you have it you want more of it you look for that next hit of it and so the less we have it the less we crave it and the more i've worked with clients who've completely changed their their palate and their taste buds by just cutting back slowly generally going cold turkey does not last some people have success with it but learning how to like slowly build in new lifestyle habits and, and changes, that's how I usually have success with my clients is just let's focus on one thing for two weeks, make that change. When that change kind of becomes an automatic thing now, Let's add in a new habit and a new habit, and I like also like to focus on addition versus subtraction because so many people, die, so many diets fail because they feel like they're deprived. They can't have mm, what, whatever what you
1: can't eat, right. yeah, Versus what you can. So
0: instead of looking at it like, oh, I have to take all these things away, let's let's figure out what we can add. Let's add more vegetables. Let's add more water. Let's add more lean protein, and people generally have more success by looking at it like that. Like, oh, look at all these foods I can have instead of, oh man, I miss all these things that I can't have, and and I also don't like to look at foods as good. I don't label them as good foods, bad foods or off-limit foods. Unless you have a food allergy, I think that there's a place and a time for whatever it is you want to eat. I don't believe in, you know, having telling clients they absolutely can't have X, Y, Z, whatever it is, but just making choice better choices most of the time and not feeling guilty when they have a cookie or they have whatever with their kids, you know, birthdays, celebrations. Like food is, is fuel, yes, but it's also social. And I think that there's so much of, like, labeling and identifying and so much guilt associated. Shaming. Yeah, shaming, like, yeah. not about that. So I think that whatever I can help, however I can help my clients have a better relationship with food and, and look at it as, you know, something that we can enjoy, yeah. but is also, you know, fuel for our body recovery from our workouts, that type of thing. Yeah.
1: I think it was it was Mark Sisson, you heard of him, the dark, Daily I Apple? Mm-hmm. I think he said, like, 80-20. Right? Like 80% of the time, you're clean, you're perfect, you're eating your good foods. And then, but you have to give yourself a little bit of room for indulgence here and there for the day that you can't, you forget to make lunch and you're on the go, but you're starving and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You got to eat something. So you grab a burger, right? Or whatever. um, You know, insert junk food here. <laughs> right. right. But you, you know, you grab something on the go because that's the life's way that we live. Like it's hard to be super perfect and healthy it just is not always practical so you just have to do as much as you can and this kind of we insert that word that you brought up earlier discipline mm-hmm. right if you really if you truly want to re, uh, reshape the way your body is composed uh
0: it takes some discipline it takes discipline and it takes time and i think right. that's another misconception people have is they're they're looking for that like you said that golden answer their the magic diet the magic pill like that doesn't exist it just takes time and consistency and right. if people you know they yeah. want to lose 50 pounds they're like how did i how did i get 50 pounds overweight well how long did that take you to get That's exactly, 50 gonna pounds overweight? exactly. it's going to take you that long to get right. back to, to drop the 50 pounds so we right. have to be patient and we can't possibly expect that whatever you know took us a year or 10 years to get to it's going to take us five days to get it off it just right. doesn't work that way so right. And if patients, if
1: you did drop it in five days, it's not. It's not sustainable. staying off, right? Yeah. We're going to gain it right
0: back, and that's why right. again, I don't, I don't like the word diet in terms of a temporary thing. I, mm-hmm. Diet is is what you eat, and yeah. it's simply that, and so it shouldn't be a temporary fix. It's a, let's build long term lifestyle changes and habits that we can re- keep with us for the rest of our lives that we're going to just adopt permanently, right. not not a short term four week this or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's not how it works.
1: So. In the world of the in our in the world of our tactical athletes, we you know we're establishing hey, they got to figure out how to eat clean to, in order to get their bodies as healthy as possible, um, to recover from the insult of these long shifts and crazy deployments, et cetera. Um, and then when we get when we finally get ourselves into the gym, what does that look like?
0: I guess the answer again is it depends what type of what what the mission is. I think in general, training, all the all of the energy systems, so doing some set some steady state endurance training, some short duration sprints, some explosive movements, I think being able to like the job would require you to have all different types of um, movements and and durations. you should be able to that should translate into how you train in the gym as well. So you should do a little bit of everything. and um, but I think strength is important, regardless of what your job is. you have to be strong. you have to be able to move you know, different shaped objects as I learned yesterday when we did the I was going to say, course. how
1: do you know that? Tell me more. <laughs> well, so yes. let's talk about what you did yesterday, the experience you had.
0: Oh, goodness. Okay. So we did the sk- firefighter skills course. Is that what you call it? That's what we call it, yeah. Firefighter it, skills it, I'm course. sure
1: there are many names for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a series of uh, exercises that simulate operating on the fire ground.
0: Yes. So I had no idea what I was signing up for when I agreed to this and it was quite challenging. You um, didn't get the display
1: for p- paperwork? No,
0: I didn't. I must have missed the, uh, <laughs> the waiver that you didn't have me sign. <laughs> um man, so we what it turnouts, is what they're called? Yep. Turnouts. So I put my turnouts on, the boots and all the whole uniform and
1: the S C B A and the helmet and
0: all of it. gloves. And, it was how much does that all weigh?
1: Um I think you I'm assuming you had empty pockets, so about fifty pounds.
0: Fifty pounds of gear plus the, you know, inability or the restricted breathing and, and the mask and it was just for for a second I thought I was gonna have a panic attack because it was you know just to have the breathing restricted and then to feel like you're enclosed in like a tube uh, with the mask on and it was quite an experience but you know I learned how to breathe myself through it and not freak out and then it was just like go time after that so um, but yeah we did a series of physical challenges um, we had the tire drag we had the sled push we had the Sledge hammer.
1: We call that forcible entry. Yes, that. So force an entry into an yeah. occupancy or whatever. And
0: then the axe. And we did the stair climb. And we did the rope pull and the bear crawl. So I don't know how long that was. I think I lost track of time <laughs> very quickly. but
1: Well, I will say this. You did a surprisingly good job because most people will breathe down their bottle in like 20 minutes. And you, got, you went about 30 Okay. So, which is very impressive. That's good so for someone who good, doesn't do much cardio. <laughs> good cardio. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. My, I think, and as you asked me this yesterday, what was the hardest part, but I think the hardest part was going from zero to hundred in uh, two seconds, you know, we got the gear on and then it was just like, all right, go pull this. And I was like, whoa. And my legs were just in shock and my heart rate was you know, skyrocketed very quickly. And so it was just so clear, you know, these are the demands of the job. You go from zero to hundred, you're dead asleep at 3 a.m., in your dreamland, and then your alarm goes off, you have to respond to a call and that's the reality of what you guys do. And I have so much respect and a whole new perspective after going through that firsthand and experiencing it. Um, just, you know, so much, so much gear and and just the long period of time. And that's, that was 30 minutes. You guys could be after it all night and, you know, obviously you rotate, you can't sustain that level of uh, that threshold for eight hours, but you're going up and down and you're awake and alert and physically challenged all night long. And, during some of your calls. And so it's it was a very real wake-up call for the physical demands of, of what you guys do and how somebody who wants to get into the training, physically training those that population, uh, what those job duties require and how I could c- create a program in the gym um, to help support that type of training, and that I'm so excited about it. Just yeah, that was that's, so cool. Well,
1: that's what I—that's—that's that's why I wanted to have you do that because I think it—it it offers some really unique perspective. Um, and when you think about like the demands of it, it, it varies, right? So, what would a police officer do? They're sitting for long periods of time, and then they jump up from sitting and have to chase somebody down the road, potentially, right? Yeah. Or you know whatever, something along those lines. Or they have to draw their weapon and have to be crystal clear in their actions you know with so that they can you know suss out what's going on in an event um, and either pull the trigger or not but be able to maintain control and that requires you know a a high level of a a very high level of metabolic conditioning to be able to manage what your heart rate when it's in your throat right and and Maintain clear thinking. Yeah, make and, decisions. Yeah, make co- good cognition. Right, have good cognition and be able to to operate appropriately. And so it's just and you know likewise when you're on the battlefield and you've got to make decisions. You're under fire and you have to determine what to do next. You got to communicate on the radio. You got to you know uh, run out and pick somebody up who's injured and now you know do a heavy load lift and uh, you know with all your own kit on to begin with. Like there's a lot of different um, components that these tactical athletes. Face, yeah, and so it requires a variety of different considerations, right? Absolutely, it's so.
0: very different. You know, I've, I'm very well versed in working out in the gym and lifting weights, but when you throw in the, the all those factors you just mentioned and yeah. the chaos, and also the the notion that human lives are on the line, like let's add that factor in and think about how heavily that weighs on the shoulders of the people who do that work. It's unbelievable. And I have the utmost respect for everybody who has volunteered and committed their life, whether it's four years or 20 years or more to, to doing that. And it's just selfless service. It's so admirable.
1: Well, I appreciate your willingness to give back and, and help folks stay in condition because when you look at this job, what happens is, you know, when we, if you get on, on the fire department or police department when you're young, it's easy. Sure. right? there's a certain amount of natural physicality that we all have when we're in our twenties. Oh yeah. And then um, you know the reality is that uh, not only does the job put you know put years on you, right? Because but but years time just keeps on ticking, <laughs> and and you gain age and things uh, and stress just from life and those things uh, and and you get busier and and life gets more complex and it's harder to find time in the gym to work out and to stay healthy and to stay, you know, sane. So having, uh, appropriate programming, having some support in that programming is really important. Uh, otherwise, you know, you just walk in there and you do buys and tries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's what a lot of people do. They, and that's, you know, that's why being a trainer myself, but also having a trainer and working with a coach is, given me a different perspective than I had previously. I spent the first several years just doing my own thing in the gym and not having a plan to show up and whatever I feel like doing, I'll just do. And then working with a coach gave me an entirely new perspective and appreciation for programming and also having somebody else do the programming for me so that I don't have to think, you know, when we have the demands, like you just said, the demands on our life and our family and our job and, whatever miscellaneous stressors we have and to show up at the gym and then have to think about what am I going to do today? And is it, does it even make sense for my goals? So, you know, outsourcing that and having somebody else do that is, can be powerful. And then you just, you know, as a trainer and then showing up for my own training session with my trainer, I'm like, you tell me what to do. I, right. I'm in, I'm in your yeah, hands for Because you
1: hour. have your own biases that you're bringing to the Absolutely. table, right?
0: We always like to do what we're good at. And what we enjoy the most, but we don't do what we suck at, and we need to do more of it. So right. that's why it's good to have someone keep you accountable, and that's why I've invested a lot of money and time and working with a coach over the years to help me get to my own goals.
1: Yeah, that's important. It's funny. So today we went out and did some kettlebell work in the park, and I've been throwing kettlebells around since 07. Um, but I've never gone and got formally trained. I thought about it. Never did it, right? And so everything I've learned, I've learned via YouTube, the great instructor of all university right of YouTube. university of youtube right and so i feel like i have a pretty good foundation i know what i'm doing but the reality is so here we are we went and did fundamental just basic kettlebell movements and i'm like oh i i am learning things and i'm just tweaking my position ever so subtly and it's making a difference and so um so there's huge value in that and here i have you know years and years and years of kettlebell work that i've been doing and i in you know um and i th- Felt like, and I've trained other people (laughs) in how to use kettlebells, and yet having you know, here I am, set the ego aside and say, okay, show me the fundamentals. And I'm like, oh, walk away going, yep, I just learned more. So I think it's really important that allowing other people to, you know, help you achieve your goals, help you be successful, is really important, right? You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't apply for a job without asking someone about the company, right? You wouldn't do research and seek out a mentor if you're trying to accomplish something likewise when it comes to your physical health or your mental health get someone to help you
0: absolutely i can't agree more and you know youtube university is fantastic but also at the same time it's sometimes not and there's there's a lot of free information out there but there's also a lot of bad information out there and so people and, and the untrained person isn't going to know one from the other Mm. and you know good versus bad and there's everyone thinks they're an expert on everything so um it's hard yeah (laughs) it's hard to know what's what who to trust and what school of thought to follow and who who's an expert who's not and so you know do your research is what the advice I can give is do your research before you hire somebody before you invest money into something and make sure that the person's credible and has experience and knowledge and um, testimonials, you know, that people have learned and, and been successful, and it's not somebody who's gonna just take your money and not give you value for what you're paying for.
1: Yeah. So we were talking about um, what you're doing with Joel, the company that you, you know, Semper Stronger, and talking about some of the the product that you guys are gonna put out. Um, and so, speaking of YouTube University, you guys are gonna put out some um video based material to go with your training stuff so talk tell me a little bit about that
0: Sure so we have so far two programs that we've launched um it's you know still in the early stages and we're only 2 months into Uh, post-launch, but the first program that I launched was an introductory kettlebell program. Uh, Kettlebells are very near and dear to my heart, as you saw today. Love coaching them and wish more people would use them and use them correctly. So it's an intro kettlebell program, very focused on the kettlebell swing, but it's a six-week program, and with it, I I created a 15-minute video just deep diving into the mechanics of the swing, um, you know, as much information as I could put out there for in a 15 minute video that people will watch and can hopefully learn how to do the hard style swing effectively and safely. And then also include some accessory movements, presses and rows and squats and some body weight movements. So it's a pretty comprehensive strength, a little bit of cardio conditioning, um, and then the second program that I launched is a body weight and bands program. I know a lot of people still haven't gone back to the gym. gyms are closed or they're not ready to yet because of coronavirus. So uh, I know a lot of people working out at home with minimal equipment, so I figured it would be helpful to have a bands and body weight program um, with equipment or minimal equipment that people probably already have lying around. And so that's a four week program. And uh, again, just four days a week, body weight focused. My next program that I'm wor- working on now is a pull-up program. Um, i'm I love pull-ups and, probably uh can do more pull-ups than the average female and many males that i know so i pride myself on my pull-up strength and i um i want to help more people do more pull-ups and and
1: it's, is uh, that a throwback to being a gymnast just it is that strong Absolutely. shoulder carriage it,
0: it totally is i mean i was doing pull-ups when i was five and i think even though i stopped doing gymnastics and didn't really do much for fitness all through high school um, that when I started getting back into the gym in freshman year of college, like I was your my, body I, remembered. Absolutely. At my, <laughs> at my weakest point when I had lost most of my muscle from gymnastic, I was still able, able to do five. Uh, that was, I think the lowest I ever got. And I remember, um, just building back up from there. And now I, I ranged anywhere between 20 and 25 strict pull-ups, uh, depending on what, how much pull-up training I'm doing. But, um, I, I feel like that's one of those exercises, especially for women, um, that women should be doing more of. And, oftentimes think that they can't just because they're a woman and they think that they can't, Uh, women can't do pull-ups. It's not a thing. Uh, People comment on my Instagram posts like, Oh, that's really cool. You can do pull-ups when women um, are genetically like weaker than men, which, you know, we could argue that point, but uh, women aren't, their bodies are not made for doing pull-ups. I'm like, says who? Why? Why? Just because I'm a woman, I can't do pull-ups. And I disagree with that. So I think that um, women should be doing pull-ups. They can do pull-ups and any woman who thinks that they can't, is wrong and i am here to to tell them that they can just they need to know how and they need to train for that and it's not something that again like with the diet you can't get to your goal in a week or a month it takes a lot of time and if you've never done one before it's going to take months maybe years but if it's something you want to do you can do it and so i'm going to put a pull up program out there it's my next one for november um to just focus on helping people improve their you know forearm strength core strength upper body strength and be able to to do their pull-ups so um, and then they'll you know my goal is to continue to releasing programs about one per month as I grow my business and then also at the same time studying for the tactile strength and conditioning certification. My goal is to have that by next year so that I can really focus on uh, the target population with whom I would like to work for my future.
1: Excellent. where uh, where are you guys stationed now?
0: Currently in New Jersey, um, we've been all over the map, like I said earlier, moved I think seven times in nine years or something crazy so. We are Joel is the Marine officer instructor at Rutgers and Princeton university. So, um, a little bit of a break from normal Marine Corps operating pace, but we will be moving again next year. Still haven't found out where, but yeah, next year will be a PCS again. And then he's got at that point, he'll have four more years, uh, before he can retire with his 20 years. And then we'll see what's next for, for us onto the next adventure. Yeah, exactly. So
1: in the meantime, um, where can, where can people find you on Instagram? Where can they contact you when they want to sign up for your program?
0: Yeah. So my, I have my personal Instagram and my business Instagram. So my personal Instagram is just my name, uh, at Rebecca Rouse, And then my business Instagram is at Semper stronger. And I have a lot of, you know, my, my personal Instagram is more of just what I'm doing for my workouts and what crazy kettlebell things I'm doing or barbell things. And, and coffee, because I do love coffee, and, and then also Jocko Fuel. Um, shout out to Jocko Fuel for producing the best supplements in the industry. Um, I have all that stuff on there. And then my uh, business Instagram is uh, Semper Stronger, which is just more educational-based content and helping people become mentally and physically stronger and just hoping to inspire, you know, one person at a time to believe in themselves and their ability to become their strongest selves and push through those challenges and those obstacles that life will inevitably, th- inevitably throw at us and persevere through the tough times but become stronger when they're on the other side so that's what i'm all about right now yeah
1: i love it um well rebecca thank you so much for taking the time out of your weekend to come and rap with me and, and yeah, share some you. of your thoughts about fitness and coming out and doing a skills course with me that was fun
0: yeah it was it was a lot of fun i'm so glad i got to experience that firsthand and, and see what you guys do on the ground and man 48 hours and not even 48 hours in phoenix and we covered a lot of a lot of ground, so thank you for, for the opportunity to be here and to chat today. It's been great. Right on. Yeah.
1: That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, special thanks to Rebecca for taking time and sitting down uh, while you travel to Phoenix. If you are enjoying this podcast, go to whatever platform you're enjoying and subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review this podcast. Uh, those, that feedback is truly helpful. If you have any specific feedback, feel free to shoot me an email, raingray at firegroundfitness.com. Now, take the lessons learned. Find ways to change and improve your life. Go on out there. Get some.